the galaxy. This is where conspiracy on the wild side meets the perspective of a lifetime. This is the free zone with your host, Freeman. Hello, all you wonderful people, and welcome to the free zone here on freemantv.com, where we are always trying to free mankind. You know, this is the best kept secret in conspiracy. So much of the data that comes out of freemantv.com ends up in the common realms, and I hear people talking all the talk, and it's absolutely awesome to see this knowledge shared. So thank you all for sharing all the information that we're sharing with the world so that we can start to understand who the enemy really is. And tonight, we're going to get deep into that with Johnny Cerucci, and we're going to unmask the Illuminati. This is going to be everything you need to know about the New World Order and how we will beat it. Johnny Cerucci is a career military man whose deployment to Iraq changed his perspective. When he returned home, he began to see that America's greatest enemies were within her own most critical institutions. When he started his relentless search, he started to unmask those that were the true enemy, the enemies within and without, and lay the conspiracy out in a tome known as Illuminati Unmasked. So please welcome to the show, Johnny Cerucci. Freeman, I'm absolutely thrilled to, to be a guest. I'm a big fan of the program. And also thanks to, to Jamie for bringing us together. Yeah, absolutely. She's a wonderful girl. Uh, we did have a fantastic time at Free Your Mind, and, and we, we discussed a lot of mind control uh, Kathy O'Brien, of course, was one of the speakers at the Free Your Mind 2, and we became very close friends. And I hope you and I will get deep into this, this mind control. But I think we need to go back further because, you know, it's, it seems to be that there's no one out there feeling threatened by the fact that we have a Jesuit pope. I don't think they understand the significance of having a Jesuit pope. And so I thought we should look into Pope Francis, this seeming man of the people that takes the bus to work, and understand why did Pope Benedict, or Ratzinger, our Bavarian Nazi youth pope, why did he quit? So I know you're the man, Johnny, to give us some understanding into the Society of Jesus, and I want you to take this from wherever you need to begin so that we can understand why a pope would suddenly just quit and then <laughs> remain within the Vatican walls so that he could not face any further charges. Well, Freeman, I think he, um, he was given a, a deal he couldn't refuse. Um, although Benedict was absolutely a product of uh, Jesuit education and worked quite well with the, black Jesuit, the Jesuit black pope, he was not their man per se. He was not an actual Jesuit. It's, it's fascinating because the Jesuits take this, this blood-curdling oath of pure loyalty to the Pope, and it's uh, as vicious as it is, they deep down have no problem with breaking that oath to the Pope, which is why people should be so astounded that um, we have a Jesuit as the white pope. It's fascinating because, of course, Benedict stepped down. He resigned first time in 600 years that has happened. And it's interesting to note that the superior general of the Society of Jesus, the Company of Loyola, also stepped down within the past, I believe it was 
past two years, Peter Hans Kolvenbach stepped down and Adolfo Nicholas took his place. We actually have two black popes and two white popes, and three of them are Jesuits. And the black pope is, is uh, the superior, Jesuit superior general. He's called the black pope because oh, he wears the humble black garb of a lowly uh, Catholic priest, but the reality is he's the most powerful man in the world. Well, let's step back then. Let's let's have a look at this society of Jesus, because certainly that that sounds like a fine, nice order that's trying to maintain a, a good Christian dogma throughout the world. This society of Jesus, this Jesuit order, which has such a bloody and frightening oath, which you include in your book Illuminati Unmasked, uh, people. I know for a fact that that no one listening really has any clue as to who the Society of Jesus is. And, and that's for good reason, Freeman. They are the most powerful organization in the world, and being so, they do a lot of hiding. And I want to first give you props. You're, you're one of the, the bravest guys I know. You're also courageous in how you have no problem with... Um, uh, partnering with devout Christians such as myself, L.A. Marzulli, Rob Skiba. And so I'll let your audience know that, of course, that is my, my bias. Everybody has a bias. Everyone has a worldview. And my, uh, I'm a born-again Christian. And my, my faith in, in Jesus Christ is my worldview, but I'm very conscious of that, conscientious of it. And I do believe that uh, Christians who have taken the red pill are very, very well qualified to, to bring you truth because the, the foundational tenet of Christianity is discipline, self-discipline, self-control. And interestingly enough, the Society of Jesus taps very much into that. But f- for me, as a born-again Christian, I look myself in the mirror, and, and my greatest goal is to just bring pure truth as I understand it. I, I do have a bias, but to my the best of my ability to not allow my own prejudices and my own personal gain interfere. And that's how the, the Society of Jesus taps into that selflessness, but in a very perverse way. So we'll go back in time. What, what are they? How do they come about? Um, as, a, as a Christian, to us Christians, the most, most powerful events in the world was uh, Christ dying on the cross, being resurrected from the dead, uh, saving us from our sins, and, and breaking down the walls between, between us and paradise. So on the cross, he said, it is finished, and the Gospel of Matthew records that the massive veil, the 60-foot curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner courtyard ripped from top to bottom, and that signified the death of all organized religion. And although we Christians believe that Orthodox Judaism back in Christ's day was, was God-breathed through Moses, uh, it, it is no longer necessary to have a go-between, a, a priest or propitiation for our sins in the death of, of animals. And, and the New Testament says it wasn't good enough to get the job done anyway. It was just uh, a shadow of, of Christ. So Christ died on the cross and freed us from organized religion. And 300 years later, an organized religion was started on the cross. Now, there's a lot of confusion in regards to the role Constantine played. Constantine was, at worst, a savvy politician. He instituted reforms after the Battle of Melvin Bridge, where he supposedly had a, a vision of Christ and the cross, 
And the vision uh, told him to place the cross on himself, on his soldiers, on the shields of his soldiers, and that he would win the battle, which he did. And within uh, five, 10 years, he was in total control of the Roman Empire. So Constantine then instituted some shocking reforms. He stopped child sacrifice. He stopped persecution of Christians, um, mitigated and almost completely obliterated slavery within the empire. The reforms themselves are, are absolutely astounding. Uh, I believe he instituted the, uh, the Council of Nicaea, so that's seen as a, a, a possibly a satanic move towards ecumenicalism, the, the bringing together of, of all faith, but uh, there's still some question here. It wasn't until Theodosius, uh, Emperor Theodosius, that the Christian faith was made the faith of the Roman Empire. And at that time, at that point, it became a syncretistic mix of the Roman paganism that can trace its roots back through Greece, Egypt, all the way back to Chaldea and Babylon. So a lot of Christians, fundamentalist Christians, Protestant Christians, do believe that Roman Catholicism has a, a strong syncretistic mix of uh, Babylonian paganism in it. And that's a different debate for another time. What's more important is that we focus on the leadership within the Catholic Church, and I think many, even Catholics, will agree there are some, there are some problems there. So we have the Catholic religion, and it had become oppressive. You know, when a lot of people talk about the abuse of Christians and how Christians have done evil things throughout history— what they really mean is Catholics. Uh, institutions such as the, um, the Crusades or the Inquisition, these were outpourings of the craving of political power by the Catholic Church, by the Vatican, by Rome, based on the cross and based wrongfully. It's not even good Christian doctrine. So, with these abuses throughout history, there were many good men, um, uh, Tyndale and, and, and so forth, that, that uh, tried to pull away from these doctrines, but unsuccessfully. It wasn't until Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the doors of All Saints uh, Cathedral in Wittenberg. It was basically the shot heard around the world that these, all these terrible ideas of um, indulgences, using the confessional. Nowhere in the New Testament, in the Bible, in, period, is there an idea that you have to confess your sins to a, uh, a go-between, a priest. If anywhere it says in the book of James, you, you find the person that you wronged and you confess to him and you seek forgiveness from him. But the confessional has been terrible, terribly abused, not just by Catholic priests, but by Jesuits in particular, to gain world secrets. So all of these abuses the idea of purgatory, the idea that through paying the church with an indulgence, uh, you can pray for a dead relative to be brought out of uh, purgatory. These are all really just political uh, machinations that the church abused. And it was with the, the pounding of the, the 95 Theses by Martin Luther on the All Saints Church at Wittenberg, it basically was the shot heard around the world that self-determination had returned to Christian Christian faith, and it immediately spread like wildfire and was of immediate concern to the Vatican and, and to Rome. Well, a short time after that, a young uh, Spanish Basque noble by the name of uh, Ignatius Loyola was wounded in battle against the French, and his legs were shattered, and he was a brash young soldier, uh, and this crushed his his goals of uh, of martial glory. What's the and with a cannonball? He was hit in one leg with a cannonball, shattered one leg, and uh, it just uh, he was able to walk, but he was he was 
clearly unable to soldier from then on out. And so he sought solace and uh, uh, with the Catholic Church and immersed himself in books about um, uh, not just about Christ, but about Mary. And at one point, he believed that he had a, a vision uh, at the shrine of the, uh, of, of the, um, uh, the black, so the black Mary. It's, it was a, a special Marian shrine that he had a vision, very similar to Muhammad, by the way, and uh, put himself in a cave in his convalescence and flagellated himself, beat himself, uh, uh, created this course of meditations to really, really focus. If he couldn't be a good soldier, then he was going to be a good soldier for Christ. And originally this was a, to be a good soldier for Mary. What came of this is this goal and this dream to crush the Protestant Reformation and in the process to gain back Jerusalem for the Pope. So this was uh, um, the Martin Luther nailed his theses to Wittenberg uh, Church Cathedral in 1517. Um, Loyola had his vision started to gather friends and peers in Paris, France around 1534. He put himself, was brought before the Pope, and the Pope sanctified his new order in 1540. And he is the foundation of the Counter-Reformation. And this leads all the way through time and history, uh, all the way to America, and the, the Counter-Reformation, I like to call it the acorn of self-determination. The Protestant Reformation, the idea that you are responsible for your own soul. Organized religion is the problem. You study the scriptures. The first thing Martin Luther did was he took the Bible that was forbidden to the commoners in the Latin Vulgate, and he translated it into the common German tongue and started to give it out to the, to the average peasants and said, you are responsible for your own soul. You look up what you think you should be doing best and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your head. And don't listen to human beings. There is no vicar of Christ on earth. It's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this was the death knell of organized religion of the papal power and extremely dangerous. And this, this train of thought is what fed the great minds, um, Montesquieu, Blackstone, Hobbes, that um, later would train our founding, our founding generation. Now, yes, there were Gnostics and, and, and Masons and, and a lot of um, Enlightenment uh, different influences on the founding generation, but still the bottom line was self-determination. And from the Magna Carta to the United States, first the, uh, the Confederation of the United States Constitution, it was, again, it was the oak tree that the, the Protestant Re Reformation had become, the self-determination. Nowhere in the world, uh, previous to that, it had all been feudalism. You have a, a, a basic uh, mass of the peasantry, the peons, the campesinos, the poor farmers, and above them, you had the, um, uh, the, the class of the, the soldiers and, and the law enforcement, the Praetorian class that insulated the aristocratic class, and then the super, super elite at the very, very top, the, basically the 1%. And so the peons, the campesinos, they were just fodder. They, they made the food uh, for the aristocrats and the elites, and that's all they were good for, and they were kept in their place by the Praetorian class. That was feudalism, and nowhere in the world did you ever have a break from that until the, the great experiment in the United States. The idea that uh, the common man, 
could own property and defend it with a firearm was truly, truly revolutionary. Never had it been, been done before. And from its very beginning, the, uh, the Counter-Reformation and the Vatican tried to insinuate itself in the great experiment, and it has done a great job. And to this very day now, they have almost total and complete control of the United States of America. Without a doubt, <laughs> that Catholic Church has come in slipped its way in all slithery and slimy without anyone recognizing its deep roots into the ultimate of mind control. Now, we had Pope Benedict and a ton of pedophilic uh, scandals coming out of the, the priestcraft in the, in the Catholic Church. We have Pope Benedict hiding inside the Vatican walls, having as you say, uh, done something not done in 600 years and turned on this order, or turned on, on being Pope, and now we have the Black Pope, or a, a second Black Pope, a Jesuit Pope in charge. So let's talk a little bit about Pope Francis and how this relates to the Society of Jesus and mind control and what you think is going on. Do you have any ideas? Uh, some extrapolations? Okay. Yeah, tr truly disturbing. Jorge Mario Bergoglio was a, um, very well-placed man in Argentina. He pr proved himself in the dirty wars and, um, People like uh, Kevin Annette have said that he was personally responsible for human trafficking and pedophilia, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors in Argentina during the Dirty Wars, which is one of the reasons why he was selected. There's a great Associated Press picture of uh, uh, Father Bergoglio uh, on, a, on a train, and he's slipped his hand into his coat to show he was a member of the unseen hand. So he has proven himself to be worthy of the, the dark arts that they practice. And these were, were perfected, of course, by the Nazis, the ability to destroy the psyche with, with trauma, with uh, Satanism, with narcotics and uh, how to split personalities in, in mind control. Of course, those Nazis were brought over through the, the Vatican rat lines and were seated to help start and found our own intelligence agencies here in the United States. And it's important to remember as we get exposed to these things, you have these reports that the, uh, the CIA was conducting experiments on unwitting American citizens, particularly in the 60s with LSD, slipping LSD mickeys to common Americans. Uh, you have people like uh, Timothy Leary saying, turn on, uh, turn on, tune in, drop out. Timothy Leary, the professor at Berkeley, turned out to be Irish Catholic Timothy Francis Leary, Jesuit trained at Holy Cross, and according to the author Walter Bauert, worked for the CIA. So you have a shocking agenda of our own intelligence agency preying on Americans to perfect mind control. You have to ask this question, how is it possible, how do you possibly rationalize our own institutions doing such horrible, evil things to our own people? And the answer to that is, is that none of our institutions answer to the American people or answer to their oath to the United States Constitution. They answer to Rome. 
The CIA was created by uh, Knight of Malta, William Donovan, and he was the head of the OSS. And before the end of World War II, William Donovan was given the Order of St. Sylvester by Hitler's Pope himself, Pius XII, to show you exactly who it was that William Donovan bowed to. There is a fantastic book called Target Patton by Robert Wilcox. I mentioned it in every interview because it is shows in sickening detail how William Donovan, with all the help and the knowledge of his entire chain of command, from, from Eisenhower all the way up to um, uh, the, the very top in, in the Pentagon, the White House, had chosen that you they took select men. Of course, all modern war is just a big game, Freeman. It's for the purpose of making big money for the, for the Luciferian elite and to punish the enemies of Rome. And that's exactly what World War II was. It was a big game. They had to make sure that it lasted as long as possible. And so you have men like Eisenhower holding Patton back, George S. Patton, our greatest field general, multiple, multiple times. He's not even allowed to be involved in, in the meat grinder of D-Day. And so when he's finally placed in, in Europe, he's held back several times so that more bombs Humbling, uh, uh, generals could make a, a, a botch of it. And at the end of the war, he was far too nationalistic. He was far too good a, a, a battle leader, a field commander, and far too much a good uh, uh, patriotic American. He had to be murdered. And that's exactly what happened. William Donovan, the founder of the, of the Americans, uh, our, our intelligence agency, picked an assassin by the name of Douglas Bozada, used a pneumatic air gun and shot debris into Patton and snapped his neck. He was removed to a hospital where he shockingly started to recover. While he was there, the OSS leaked it to the, the Soviet intelligence agency, the NKVD, which is also run by the Jesuits, and they uh, slipped into the hospital and finished him off. And whenever you see of particularly intelligence agencies that are supposed to be against each other, that are working together, that is the sign of the Jesuits. The Jesuits have co-opted every single intelligence agency in the world, and through their other emissaries, uh, the Knights of Malta and Knights of Columbus, and particularly the Freemasons, they also own banking. And from there, they have sewn up basically the entire world. Wow. I had no idea how thick the web really was. You bet. And as a matter of fact, um, uh, I'm doing research right now to find out at what point they took over the the Masons. And um, it really appears to be from the from the very beginning. Masons sprouted up as uh, their own esoteric secret group. But from the from immediately uh, 1600s on, there was insinuation of the, of the Freemasons. It started after the. Um, the Catholics were evicted from England in 1688, the House of Stuart. Um, when James II was overthrown, he was evicted and banished, and he went to the Jesuit College of Claremont. And there he uh, worked with Jesuits to tap in to the secret societies at the time that was Freemasonry, and in order to, by subversion, win back England for the papacy and immediately insinuated themselves into the Freemasons. There are other citations that are just shocking that show that 
uh, Freemasonry at one point. They may have been uh, their their own organization, and I have no uh, I have no compassion for the Freemasons. Look, anytime you have a secret society, the purpose for a secret society is to do things that, if was made made publicly known, the people would would revolt, would be outraged. But uh, unfortunately for them, it appears that they have been co-opted throughout history, and now the Jesuits run run the Freemasons as well. There's a a great um, quote that I have from Helena Blavatsky. It's it's wonderful to see how um, Luciferians went after each other, pecked at each other. A lot of times you get some great... um, some great truth when one Luciferian fights another. Now, and I just want to say to those listening that he's not using the term Luciferian lightly. This is their own terminology. They consider themselves Luciferians. When you get to Theosophy and Blavatsky, you're looking at Luciferianism, open, open Luciferianism. This is not even hidden. You can go pick up a book and read uh, her own words. So just so that you know that that's not just being tossed out there, that is uh, the correct term that you would use. You bet. And and he considers themselves uh, not following Satan as we know him, as the embodiment of evil, but um, uh, basically the the giver of of light. Uh, Prometheus, the guy that brought us knowledge and tried to help us and was punished by the gods, uh, that is not comport with the Christian worldview. As, as Paul says in the New Testament, that knowledge makes arrogant, but, but love edifies. Hmm. But that's, that's the key to Gnosticism, is that secret knowledge will, will bring you power. So uh, it's fascinating to see. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, though. I want to hear what Pavlatsky had to quote in this little turmoil they sure. have between the Luciferians. Sure. In fact, I would like to back up to, let's see, where do I have that Vice News? There has been some interesting stuff coming out of Vice. Yes. Okay, I got the other one there. Uh, Vice, yeah. Uh, so Vice reported on, and I want to bring that up first. Um, oh, let's see, back up here. Oh yeah, here we are. Liz Armstrong of Vice. Uh, when Alistair Crowley was living in New York doing various magical experiments and she misspelled it on purpose uh, in place on West 9th Street, he did so what's called the El Mantra Working. Uh, eventually, Crowley made contact with an ent- entity known as Lamb, drew his portrait, and damn if it doesn't look like pictures we saw the alien, alien greys now. Lamb, incidentally, is a mantra linked to the root chakra, which is associated with survival. This is around 1917. And uh, there are possible accounts of extraterrestrial visitations of other parts of the world that was unknown at that time. Uh, Crowley introduced Lamb for the first time in his commentary on The Voice of the Silence by Theosophy founder Helena Blavatsky. Um, So basically, what does she say? Found or not, he basically tears the classic to shreds without ever really explaining why he started off with this portrait of Lamb. So um, Crowley was not a fan of uh, Blavatsky, and it's interesting because she says things like this. Um, She quotes a a man by the name of Charles Sothran. He says, Sothran was corresponding secretary of the New York Liberal Club, and this is in her work, Isis Unveiled. The uh, New York Liberal Club received by us on the day that that, uh, uh, Mr. Sothran is known as the writer and lecturer on antiquarian, mystical, and other subjects. In masonry, he has taken so many degrees as to be a competent authority in regards to the craft. She quotes Sothran as saying, 
It is curious to note, too, that most of the bodies which work these, I guess the craft, such as the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite, the Rite of Avignon, the Order of the Temple, Fessler's Rite, the Grand Council, the Emperors of the East and West, the Sovereign Prince Masons, etc., etc., are nearly all the offspring of the sons of Ignatius Loyola. Baron Hunt, Chevalier, Ramsey, Touche, Zindorf, and numerous others have founded these grades and these rites worked under the instructions of the General of the Jesuits. Well, this would really explain the formation of the Grand Lodge in London at 1717 when they suddenly got a dominant body. And as you were saying with the Jesuits, they like to combine, unify their forces and control. And this would really explain the Scottish Rite and, and the formation of these Grand Lodges. It's interesting to note that the, the Scottish Rite has a very, very powerful section here in the United States they call the... Uh, Scottish Rite of the Southern Jurisdiction, which is abbreviated SJ. Well, that abbreviation is also seen in the Society of Jesus. You'll see a lot of Jesuit priests say, have at the end of their name SJ. And I just think that that's a, a, little, a little key to let us know that at this point, the, the Masons answer to the Jesuits. Another great uh, connection is Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones in Yale, you think, okay, secret society, very secular, Yale University. But um, uh, William F. Buckley was uh, a foundational member, devout Catholic, answered directly to Rome. And uh, Skull and Bones is secretly answers to the Vatican. A great example of this is John Forbes Carey, Catholic John Forbes Carey, and, you know, we get into um, uh, Barack Obama and who Barack Obama really is, and he's just a puppet. Apparently, he can't appear before a group of sixth graders without having to read off a teleprompter. So, therefore, the next question would be, well, who's writing what goes on his teleprompter? And I came across an article in the Boston Globe of one of Barack Obama's speechwriters by the name of John Favreau. Uh, not to be confused with the Hollywood John Favreau, who gave us the great Iron Man movies, a different young John Favreau, who uh, was taught directly by the Jesuits and worked for Catholic John Kerry. Under John Kerry's tutelage, he was an aide, and after he was uh, at the right time, I guess, he was given from John Kerry directly to Barack Obama to help write his speeches. And the Boston Globe uh, piece on John Favreau is fascinating. It says that Favreau requires that the people that he worked for uh, obey the the ideals of the Jesuits who taught him. So when we talk about a Jesuit education and the Jesuit universities, you have the direct Jesuit universities, then you have the um, uh, the Catholic universities, and beyond there you have the Jesuits that work in secular universities. Their hand is felt all over the world. And so when you see a Jesuit education, there are a lot of different ways, um, Freeman, you, you look at a key person and all you have to do anywhere, particularly in the United States right now, you look at who they are. First, you check their religion. Then you check their education. Then you check their orbit. And I will guarantee you at one point or another, if they're in a critical position in the United States, they're either Catholic or Jesuit trained. Well, you know, I thought people would get a clue when when they were jesting about Kerry and Bush both being skull and bones and both running for the presidency. They were making a mockery of this fact on the news in the mainstream. And yet, 
the public didn't question. We had the head of the CIA <laughs> become the president, and the public didn't question. These type of things just blow my mind in the lack of attention people put to this. Uh, I have people say to me, you know, well, CIA, it's a, it's a government organization. What wrong could they be doing? And, you know, we see these mainstream medias laughing at the fact that these guys won't g give us their secrets from the skull and bones. And now we find through your work, John, that we are seeing Jesuit order creeping in. And no one, no one knows this. Freeman, I don't, I, I don't trust anybody in the, the right side of um, American politics. To me, the most dangerous institutions in the United States are our own intelligence agencies at the top. And on the side, you have our so-called Federal Reserve, our central bank, the most poisonous institutions, CIA, FBI, NSA, and the Federal Reserve, and not a single single so-called conservative or right-minded, right right-leaning voice will ever mention them. We're all supposed to be terrified of al-Qaeda and of ISIS, and yet Western intelligence fabricated both al-Qaeda and ISIS. Um, we see that ISIS is a scourge throughout the Middle East, and it's interesting that the, uh, the victims of ISIS are very often the targets of the Catholic Church, poor Coptic Christians uh, around the world, around through the Middle East, are, are very often the ones who are raped, mutilated, beheaded. And every time I see some sort of warning about what ISIS is doing, I'm, I scream at the television and the radio, that's your taxpayer dollars at work. That's the CIA, that's MI6, that's Mossad, that's all the intelligence agencies working for the Jesuits. Uh, great example here. I don't want to cut you off, but okay. if, along the same idea of you pick someone who's important and you look, you beat around their tree. Our new defense secretary is Ashton Carter, right? He's the man that Barack Obama has selected. Everybody likes to say, well, Barack Obama's hard left. He's influenced as a communist. He's influenced as a Muslim. Why is he picking these people? Um, he replaced Ashton Carter, replaced Chuck Hagel. Ashton Carter received some of his education at St. John's Oxford, the Counter-Reformation College. Chuck Hagel was an um, uh, Episcopalian, which some people joke is, is Catholic light, but Chuck Hagel actually taught at Georgetown. Georgetown is the Jesuit center. It's from the epicenter from which the, the Jesuit order controls the American government in Washington, D.C. Hegel took over for Leon Panetta. Leon Panetta was uh, nobody since the 90s, since the Clinton administration. He was um, chairman of Office of, Ma Office of Management and Budget. He was uh, Clinton's chief of staff. And then he kind of fell into obscurity. So how did he become a no-name California congressman to rise to such prominence in the Clinton administration to be resurrected to become the Secretary of Defense and the Director of the CIA? Well, he was Jesuit educated, educated at Santa Clara. The same reason that a nobody by the name of Janet Napolitano could rise to become governor of Arizona and then to head Department of Homeland Security. First, the mere idea that we, we call American institution Homeland Security, like this is Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, is in and of itself a red flag. Napolitano, just like uh, Panetta, was Jesuit educated at Santa Clara, and that proves that that's who was pulling her strings. So all you got to do is look at these critical people 
these, this is the nuts and bolts, Freeman. We, we can get into the ideas of these interdimensional, these malignant interdimensional agencies trying to harm us, trying to get into us. But these are the mechanisms, the real hard mechanisms that they use. And that's why no one will talk about it. not Sarah Palin, not Alan West, not Rand Paul. No one will talk about what's really, really harming America. And that's because they're all co-opted. You know, Rand Paul may be trying to play the game at some point or another, but he's still playing the game. Yeah, and still meeting up at the Wailing Wall. Uh, you bet. Well, and you know what? That's, I'm glad you brought that up because the Jesuits love to hide behind the Jews. There are plenty of uh, Freemason, uh, uh, malignant-minded Jews who are happy to be used by the Jesuits, but the Jesuits hide behind the Star of David and they wield the scimitar of Muhammad. It goes all the way back to, oh goodness, from the very beginning, the Illuminati, okay? So you hear people say globalist, you hear people say Illuminati. What does that mean? It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. People don't have a concept. It's just a boogeyman term that people use. Who are the Illuminati? Where did the Illuminati start? The Illuminati were founded by a Jew by the name of Adam Weishaupt. But what people don't know is that Adam Weishaupt converted to Catholicism. He was educated by the Jesuits starting at seven years old. He spent his entire life under Jesuit tutelage, and he eventually taught canon law at Jesuit Ingolstadt University in Bavaria. And you don't teach canon law. Canon law is basically the precepts, the legal precepts by which the political body of the Catholic Church uh, uh, rules itself. Uh, there are people that believe, and I do myself, I heard uh, Joseph Doc Marquis mention this once, he doesn't talk about it a lot, that uh, uh, Weishaupt was actually an ordained Jesuit priest. And I, I believe that. There's not a lot of good sources on that, but I believe that because you don't teach canon law unless you are an expert. And Weishaupt spent his entire life under, the Jesu under Jesuit tutelage, and therefore anyone that says the word Illuminati and doesn't bring that in is either woefully ignorant or what we call a coadjutor, or the unwashed would call a, a coadjutor, for the Jesuits, for uh, uh, the Vatican, for Rome. They love to hide behind the Jews. We all know household names, George Soros, Nazi collaborator who helped the Nazis who were controlled by the Jesuits, uh, a, a Jesuit by the name of Bernard Stamfel, wrote Mein Kampf for Hitler because Hitler was an invalid, couldn't write himself. A Jesuit, you can look this up online, Bernard Stamfel wrote Mein Kampf. They, they directed both sides. Uh, Joseph Stalin was brought up by Jesuits at the supposed Orthodox seminary Tiflis that was run by the Jesuits. Emil Cohen, uh, his biographer, will tell you that. Uh, in fact, Stalin may himself also have been an ordained Jesuit priest. Uh, they, it was a purposeful vice created by the Vatican to crush the enemies of Rome in the Counter-Reformation. And they love to take Jews and prop them up in the process and hide behind them as a smokescreen. Uh, we all know the name of Rothschild. Red Shield. It might not even be true Jews. They might be a more of Edomites than Jews, but it doesn't matter. For us in the Red Pill community, it's a household name. The household, what you don't know, the names you don't know, are the true bloodline papal families. Breakspear, Orsini, Aldo Brandini, De Medici. These families are the real power players. They go back through history. Generations, you talk about Illuminati, reptilian bloodlines, and I, I'm, I'm 
I only t- partially tongue-in-cheek about reptilian. I personally believe that they, these are inbreds because they're uh, trying to maintain genetic impurities that allow them to more easily be accessed in demon possession. But that's something that's really hard to prove. The, the, what, is, what is clear is that these are power players that you are not allowed to know. You're allowed to know Rothschild, but you're not allowed to know Orsini or Aldo Brandini. These are the real power players. Another great example besides Adam Weishaupt is uh, Karl Marx. Karl Marx, a a non-practicing Jew, was born and raised in Protestant Germany, but in the Catholic stronghold of Trier, and in uh, grammar school was was chosen by the Jesuits. Raised there, later on, he went to the British Museum in a private reading room, where supposedly he came up with uh, communism on his own. But ex-Jesuit Alberto Rivera tells us that the Jesuits spoon-fed him. He was in a private reading room in the British Museum because he was meeting with Jesuits and they were spoon-feeding him the tenets of communism. The Jesuits made communism uh, in through the, uh, uh, the philosophy of Thomas Aquinas and shared property. No one owns everything. Um, we take from those who produce and give to those who need. This is a, a predominantly Catholic and, and Jesuit philosophy. They per- perfected it in the Reductions in uh, South America, their slave camps in the late 1700s. And it was brought about through into the 1800s and fed to Karl Marx. He was propped up as the, as the Jew that handed it to their other puppets, other Jewish puppets like Trotsky, and then uh, uh, men to really crush the enemies of the Pope uh, uh, in, in Russia, that Alexander II had thrown the Jesuits out in 1820 and forever had placed Russia as a target for the Jesuits, for the Vatican, and they came back in spades with communism uh, and, and uh, crushed their enemies. Forty millions Christian Slavs were crushed by that, that Georgian animal um, Stalin. Uh, and it's interesting to note that whenever you, they, they, the Vatican picks these puppets to really harm their own populace, they never belong to their own populace. Napoleon was uh, one of their own from Corsica. He wasn't French, he was from Corsica. Um, Stalin was Georgian, he wasn't Russian. Hitler was um, uh, Austrian, he wasn't German. And, well, who knows who Barack Obama is? No one knows. The most uh, powerful man in the world, and we're not even allowed to examine his birth certificate. When you see it, you peel it back. There's all kinds of layers there, and we're just supposed to laugh at the fact that the most powerful man in the world has multiple aliases. He's got a social security number from a, a dead guy in Connecticut, a state that he's never lived in or visited. This is the most powerful man in the world. He clearly has a CIA resume. He had um, his autobiography written for him by William Ayers. So this is how the Vatican takes and creates and molds their malignant puppets to harm their own um, own nations. Yeah, yeah. Social engineering at its best. And if uh, I want to know if you have any thoughts on the embargo we're having now with Iran and the, the attempts at stopping weapons there, because as strange as it may seem, uh, Vladimir Putin is now being propped up as the voice of reason. And I firmly believe that uh, with our interference in Iran, which of course was Babylon, uh, Sumer, uh, we can, <clears throat> we, we are going to ignite a, a holy war here with Russia through this, this warfare coming up. Do you have any it's, ideas? It's all, it's all manufactured, Freeman. It's all manipulated. The only thing that I don't know at this point, because I don't have insider information, is how much Russia is co-opted. I think that um, 
Russia, Father Malachi Martin, brilliant source on the Vatican, on the Jesuits, told uh, John McManus of New American Magazine that uh, everything in regards to the Soviet Union, the fall of the Soviet Union, the fact that the traitor Gorbachev would be used to take down the Soviet Union uh, and destroy that system there was uh, organized and ordained by the Pope, by the Vatican. And after it happened, of course, uh, Gorbachev ran to the Presidio. Put that aside. We need to talk about Presidio right after this um, and Michael Aquino. And uh, after that occurred, the, the, the Russians were – Russia was a mess. And so the former satellites were breaking off, becoming their own nations. This was in 1991. Soviet Union fell. And so – the United States was propped up, pushed forward, and told the good Russian people that, hey, uh, all this Cold War stuff, NATO, we're done. We're going to back off. We're not going to dissolve NATO, but we're not going to further encroach on you. And the very first thing they did was encroach. And be between the expansion of NATO and be the expansion of the EU, Russia is completely 100% surrounded. Um, the, one of the architects of this is Polish Catholic Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, Jimmy Carter's Jesuit handler and uh, national security advisor. Brzezinski came up with, oddly, both al-Qaeda and the strategy of containment. He was personal friends with John Paul II. And so immediately, uh, former Eastern Bloc uh, nations, Poland's one of the first to be to join NATO to the point now where uh, the Baltic nations, Lithuania, Lithuania Latvia, Estonia, uh, they're all part of NATO right up to the to the Russian border. We have American forces being led by traitors in this country, driving up and down the border of, of, of Russia through the Baltics in their, their, uh, their dragon march or dragon parade there, rattling sabers, trying to unhinge the poor Russian people, uh, ramping up a new Cold War, completely, completely fabricated. Um, uh, Yanukovych in Ukraine, he was the duly elected uh, well, he still was a puppet organization. He uh, really kind of did deserve to be overthrown. He was living like a sultan. He had his own pet zoo in his mansion here where he was living, but he was constitutionally elected and he was a friend of Russia. The United States, the, the traders in the State Department spent $5 billion, according to Victoria Nuland, to overturn that government in a, in a bloody coup. And uh, in that process, they now are completely co-opted. The first thing that happened was they uh, were indebted to the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. They're done for. A stick of fork in them. They're done. Uh, uh, Monsanto has moved in. They've got a son of Joe Biden now that's there working on uh, Catholic Joe Biden that's working on their um, to bleed them of their, their natural gas and oil resources. Um, right on the doorstep, you can't get more critical to Russia then Ukraine and Crimea, and it was let out that Vladimir Putin was uh, ready to go to nuclear war to take Crimea back because Crimea is, is the, the, um, the very critical part of, of Russian heritage. It's actually the birthplace of Russian Christianity from Vladimir the Great. And so um, Putin was installed. Putin came to power under Yeltsin and could very well have been an overseer in the uh, the one false flag in Russia that I know of, the, the Moscow apartment building bombings in 1999. That's in stark contrast to all the hundreds of false false flags here in America. But it's still a, a, a something that's, uh, when you see good Russians die from their own intelligence agencies, uh, look, all intelligence agencies are co-opted by the Vatican, by, by uh, uh, the Jesuits. 
So he was installed under under Yeltsin, and they thought he was going to be a uh, a good little puppet, just like Yeltsin was. They um, the the Vatican hid behind the Jewish oligarchs, whom they called the family. So the family installed Yeltsin, and they had Putin lined up, installed him as well. But something very interesting happened, Freeman, when Putin was installed. He suddenly appeared to get a mind of his own. He scattered the uh, the oligarchs and began to rule basically for the for the best interests of the Russian people. Russian policy, politics and policies aren't nearly as poisonous as Western policies to their own people, and they're making some interesting stands. I, as a Christian, um, resonate with some of the things that they're doing in Russia, and so you see that uh, as the CIA attacks Russia, they use... Um, Organizations of sexual perversion, extreme feminism, like uh, Femen and Pussy Riot, they're completely fabricated uh, um, uh, intelligence, uh, propped up by intelligence agencies. Now, they the, use these are the naked girls that we're seeing uh, flashing the Pope, right? You bet. You oh yeah, yeah, flashing the Pope. You have to get in there, flash the Pope, because when you're doing so much damage and harm to everybody else, somebody says, "Well, how come not flashing the Pope?" Well, they're flashing the Pope because they figured, all right, it's about time we should flash the Pope too. Uh, just, just like um, Masons. The Masons were supposedly the, the, the arch enemies of the Vatican, and you couldn't get any, any more uh, diametrically opposed. Some of the most key Masonic fee, uh, um, uh, individuals throughout our history were both Catholics and Freemasons. Um, Pierre Charles L'Enfant, the man who laid out the, the architecture of one of the most Freemasonic cities in the world, Washington, D.C., was both a Catholic and a Freemason. It's a fascinating story. He was um, uh, selected by Beaumarchais to, uh, to be one of the plants. Rome immediately put plants here in the United States, starting with the, John, the, the Carroll family, John Charles Carroll, uh, uh, John was uh, one of the founders of Georgetown University, a boys' school at the time. Uh, I believe John was a Jesuit priest. And so they immediately insinuated themselves. And uh, Leon Font was a member of Holland Lodge Number no. 8. And that's, that's a uh, historical reference fact. So he was a Catholic Freemason. It's, oh, we're not supposed to have that. He was actually, it's very fascinating to know that he was fired by George Washington himself for plowing over a house. What house did he plow over? He, he plowed over the house of the Carroll family. So I'd love to dig a little further. I haven't been able to find out what was going on. It could have been a Catholic power play there. A lot of these guys, they start off to have different masters, and they become consumed with true, honest patriotism, and they betray the masters. I think to some minor degree, uh, Putin may be doing that. I'm not going to say that he's the leader of the uh, the resistance movement, but um, it may be possible that that's why Russia has been has been targeted. But there are plenty of traitors in Russia, particularly intelligence agencies and the FSB, through the Freemasons and through the Orthodox, that has been thoroughly infiltrated by the Jesuits. But uh, another key figure who was Catholic and a Freemason is John Wilkes Booth. Now, John Wilkes Booth, the lone gunman behind the, the death of Abraham Lincoln, he was not a lone gunman. He was part of a plot, a plot that went all the way back to the Vatican. Um, the, the next family to be of prominence in the United States after the Carroll family were the Surratts. 
Mary Surratt, her home was the centerpiece of where the, the, uh, the assassination was hatched. Her son, John, was studying to be a priest. It was John and Wilkes Booth that worked together. John Surratt and John Wilkes Booth worked together in the plot to, to, to murder Abraham Lincoln, and they were acting on behalf of the Jesuits. They're the, the, the best in the world at assassination. So after the assassination, uh, all the, um, uh, the conspirators were killed, right? Well, no, I have a source that says that John Wilkes Booth actually escaped. He was uh, a knight of the Golden Circle, as well as being a Catholic. So you have both Freemasonry connected to Albert Pike, as well as a connection to uh, the Vatican. John Surratt escaped the country, and the Catholic Church helped him, disguised him as a priest at one point. He ran all the way through to Rome. He was captured in Egypt and brought back to the United States. But you know what? He also escaped. There was a mistrial that was, that was claimed, and John Surratt spent the rest of his days fat, dumb, and happy. So you see these um, odd allegiances. Who was who the most uh, uh, potent family behind the, the slaughter, the modern-day coup slaughter of sitting President John F. Kennedy? The Dulles family. Secretary of State John Foster Dulles, whose son Avery was a Jesuit priest, became a Jesuit cardinal, one of the most powerful Jesuits in the country. And um, Alan Dulles, who was the director of the CIA, good Catholic boys that subverted the policies of the United States. Let me tell you something. All this foolishness about how uh, one of the reasons why Kennedy was killed. Kennedy, Kennedy was a communist. Uh, Kennedy didn't want to go after uh, Castro. Castro was Jesuit raised. Castro was their man in Cuba, and Cuba is their foothold, um, the bridge from South America to the United States for the Jesuits. Kennedy wanted to, to truly end communism, to either win Vietnam or pull out, to, to totally throw out Castro and communism. And it was uh, McCloy that betrayed uh, Operation 40 and those poor uh, Cuban patriots. They were thrown into the, into the fire the CIA did in um, Hungary and Czechoslovakia again and again and again. Betrayed good patriot people to the, to the Jesuits and the communists that they had created. Um, you think, how is it possible for the CIA to slaughter an American president in broad daylight and get away with it, and yet they can't stop Fidel Castro? They never meant to stop Fidel Castro. He's their boy. And now we've got Barack Obama, who's also their boy, getting all palsy-walsy with him. It was, it was designed from the very beginning, Freeman. Wow. Wow. His name is Johnny Cerucci, and his book is Illuminati Unmasked. And uh, we had mentioned a few of the other Christian speakers that we've had on the Free Zone. Rob Skiba, haven't yet had Douglas Hamp on, uh, and Doc Marquis. And I just wanted to mention that we will all be at the Back to the Future conference uh, this end of July. I believe it's July 30th. I'll have to check it out. The website is uh, BTT. FC, <laughs> back to the future dot, uh, con BTTFC. So, uh, you know, we're going to get deeper into some of the, the high strangeness where we haven't even touched upon Catholicism's connection to Satanism. We're barely scratched the surface on the mind control subject. So, I will, I want to give you a chance here, Johnny, to let everyone know where they can find your book, Illuminati Unmasked. And uh, if you have any events or things coming up in the near future. You bet. Um, 
you can find everything about me at johnnysarucci.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y-C-I-R-U-C-C-I. And there's a button there for Illuminati Unmasked. Get it on um, Amazon, the hard copy or the Kindle version. It's a, it's a tome. You had that right. It is a tome. 826 pages and 2,000 citations. Anybody can have an opinion, Freeman, but we're dealing with uh, red pill subjects. I went out of my way. I spent six months researching and about another three months writing and rewriting to make sure that I just – all I did was take copious sources from – um, people that that uh, our audiences respect and had them give the opinions for me, have them give the facts for me so that I'm not just saying crazy things. Exactly. So I also have a uh, podcast, Resistance Rising. You can also get that at johnnysrucci.com, blog talk, radio, Resistance Rising. So um, that's the only thing I've got going on right now. But um, yeah, Satanism. And it's interesting, you know, uh, Malachi Martin said that uh, uh, he witnessed uh, the, the smoke of Satan rising from the Vatican. There have been several warnings in regards to uh, uh, the overlap of Satanism and the Catholic Church. And um, We're going to pick that up on the other side, Johnny. Uh, we, we definitely... We've got lots to talk about. We're going to get deeper into the mind control aspects of this, uh, looking at Kathy O'Brien's case and the connection to Catholicism. We're going to get deeper into the Presidio and Michael Aquino. Meanwhile, we're going to learn more and more about this Jesuit order and their connections to bringing forth this concept of extraterrestrials because it is absolutely the the Jesuit high Jesuit priests that are bringing extraterrestrials to your front door and into your homes so i can't wait to dig into a brain like Johnny Sarucci's to get deeper into what they are trying to do because as he was saying we may be looking at a malignant interdimensional force so I want to thank you all for tuning in here live on the Free Zone here on FreemanTV.com. Please uh, share this show with everyone that you know so that they can understand the powers that are ruling our planet. Because I firmly believe that the Christian force could be the strongest in the fight for good if they could be awakened to the realities of the usurpation of the, the Christian belief system in this nefarious plan and scheme of world domination. So you want to know about the New World Order? Well, you're learning about the New World Order now and where it comes from, how it grows, how it spreads, and where it's going to go. So stay tuned. We're going to have to get Johnny back on the show again because there's so much more to talk about. And members, please join us now over in the members section as we get <laughs> much stranger into the weird stuff here. And thank you all for tuning in. We will see you next week.